With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a special Thanksgiving week edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you're all having a wonderful start to the holiday season, and I am thankful for this week's matchup on the program, the highly anticipated rematch. Let's get right after this thing and introduce the combatants. First, back-to-back wins under his belt for this man from MMAfighting.com, the A-side live chat and more. Mr. Jose Young's back from Las Vegas. How are you, sir? Have we started the recount yet? Have we all agreed that I won 5-0 last week and there's no reason it should have gone to a champ? I get what everyone's what, what the deal is. It has to be 2-2 two to two going to the fifth. But let's be realistic. I, I mopped the floor with AK Lee. I just want to leave it at that. Fair enough. And back on the show after a couple of weeks off, also from MMAfighting.com, deliver the heat on the UFC 255 live preview show we did on Friday. Mr. Jed Mishu. Jed, how are you? And uh, was Fight Circus Volume 2 everything you hoped it would be or more? It wasn't more, but it definitely was everything I hoped it would be. And frankly, it's the only reason I'm here. When you reached out to me and said, hey, we've got this bum, uh, we'd like you to just come give him the work. I was like, ah, I've already done that. Been there, done that. Like Habib, I don't need to retrace my steps. But then I remembered, oh, I'll get to have a, a great opportunity to talk about Fight Circus and, and where they're going next. So sure, why not? I'll take some time out of my day so I can prompt the best promotion in, in mixed martial arts. There you go. Well, uh, we're not going to start with Fight Circus, but because while that event was happening, the UFC was putting on their November pay-per-view event, UFC 255. We saw two title fights, both champions retained, but let us start with the man who ended the night, Davis of Figueroa, submits Alex Perez in just under two minutes to retain his title. The guy 
is coming off like a superstar. He's looking the part. He's performing like a superstar. The English is starting to come along. If you watch the post-fight press conference, managing the weight a lot better. The guy was the star of the show coming out of Saturday night. Jed, let us begin with you. I know it's kind of a loaded question, but A, what did you think of his performance? And B, I mean, just how good is Davis at Figueiredo? I mean, his performance was obviously fantastic. Like, there's not anything to think about it other than A+. You know, he took a guy, and on that preview show, we talked about how Alex Perez is probably not getting as much love as he should. Know that he is a guy coming off the Contender Series, but good wins under his belt, had an avenue to victory, and he was supposed to be the better grappler, and he gets tapped in sub-two minutes. Like, that's... It was just an all-around excellent performance. I loved the the transition to uh, the scissor sweep or whatever uh, from Figueredo while he was getting getting his leg hoisted in the air. Uh, just really great performance from him all around. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see how much he can take this, this division forward, if he can at all. You know, I, I wrote about it for the site after the, after the event. Figueredo... I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a star. I do think there's just sort of a ceiling to what any 125er can pull off in, in the sport. Um, they're very small. But beyond that, I think he can be a, a valuable asset to the company, if only because they're going to view him like that. You know, Demetrius Johnson, one of the best fighters of all time, but they never, the UFC really never liked DJ that much, at least in their actions, never showed that. And, you know, so far they're showing that they do like Davis and Figueredo getting in this quick turnaround, kind of throwing full support behind him. Uh, I'm interested to see how much he can lift this division up. Jose, what do you think? And then just to kind of build on what Jed said, because one thing I thought that was really interesting in the buildup and on Saturday itself is that the UFC is running with him as the king of this division, like the savior of the division, despite, you know, Light obviously being shown upon it by Henry Cejudo, by, of course, Demetrius Johnson and his record-setting title defense. But Dana White, like Jed said, really seems to like him. What have you made, A, of the promotion backing him and promoting him the way that they have, and B, just his overall performance on Saturday? Well, I'm not quite sure they are promoting him very well because let's not forget, Dana White decided he, he didn't have the time of day to do a, press, uh, a scrum to sell this fight. He also didn't find the time of day to even be there for the stare downs, uh, which is absolutely flabbergasting because we're talking about Valentina Shevchenko, who could be the best female fighter in the world, and the David Figueredo, who everyone is saying could be the next big thing in flyweight, if not he's already, and he's not there. Uh, he also, let's not forget, Davidson Figueredo actually had a few wor- uh, words of issue with Dana White. So, yes, he is doing them a favor of fighting again on one month, trying to be, the, I think, the first UFC champion to defend in consecutive weeks. But that has been the narrative with Flyway. When something goes wrong with another division, they pulled Demetrius Johnson in all the time to main event cards. He wasn't supposed to main event, and they didn't promote it, or there wasn't enough time to promote it. And then the pay-per-view didn't sell well, and then everyone blamed Demetrius Johnson not being able to sell that fight. Uh, when if he can't sell the fight as being the best fighter in the world, I don't know what the difference was with Davis Figueredo, who can't speak English. Also, Davis and Figueredo said, Dana, if I'm your guy and you want me to do this, how come I didn't get a $50,000 bonus? I submitted a guy in a main event of a title fight, and I defended my title. 
How, where's my 50 G? So he was close to not even taking the fight. He said, I don't want to do it. I want to go back to Brazil. I don't care if he wants me to defend again. I didn't get $50,000 bonus. And his manager, Walid, had to talk him into it to do the UFC a favor. Because if you do this now, they'll do another favor for you down the road. I don't know if that's the case because he hasn't seen it a whole lot. Because, again, like I said, Demetrius Johnson was a company man. It was bounced around to all sorts of pay-per-views he wasn't supposed to headline. And then at the end of it, him and Dana White still had beef. So I'm not quite sure they are doing a good job promoting Davis and Figueredo. Uh, and you said his English was good. What you didn't see off camera after the, the camera stopped rolling, his Spanish is phenomenal. It's getting real good. And you know who he's fighting next? Brandon Moreno from Mexico. So English is fine. I'm very curious to see if he spits any Spanish at Brandon Moreno when the buildup to their fight. Jed, what did you think of Figueredo not getting the bonus? Like, I, I know a lot of times, like, the UFC kind of uses these bonus to propel some of the younger guys. But, I mean, for God's sakes, like, there is no dispute that this guy with a sub-two-minute submission over a guy like Alex Perez in the main event, he should have got a freaking bonus, should he not? When when do they use bonuses to propel people? They usually end up giving bonuses to people in the main or co-main event at at the expense of more interesting or you know maybe more deserving undercard fighters who could certainly use that money you know who the guys who are getting 10 and 10 are going to make way better use of that money than people already in the main event so i'm not sure about that statement from you there mike but uh 100 i'd look antina shevchenko had a good fight good for her she performed really well and above expectation there it leagues of difference between what those two performances are. And very clearly Figueredo had one of, if not the best all out performances on this card. So him not getting a bonus is pretty ridiculous in my mind. I would agree. Um, it was kind of alluded to what Figgy's next move is. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but Valentina Shevchenko retained her title on Saturday. Unanimous decision, whatever Jennifer Maya, I think we all expected Shevchenko to walk out of the apex with the title, but there seemed to be a lot of folks quite critical of Shevchenko's performance because I think, as the odds stated, a lot of people thought that this thing wasn't going to go to the judges' scorecard. It did. So, Jed, let me ask you this. A lot of people on the post-fight show asked if we felt Shevchenko was rusty. So was she rusty, in your opinion, or did we maybe underestimate Jennifer Maya, who was around a 9-10-1 to 10 to 1 underdog? I don't know if she's rusty. It's certainly not one of her best performances. I do think, uh, you know, it's it's important to keep this in perspective, right? You know, Shevchenko didn't have a great performance and still very clearly won four or five rounds. Um, and in the round she lost, it wasn't like she got dominated. She was held against the fence for, you know, large portions of the fight. Um, and no point in that fight did she ever look like she was in trouble. Really, at no point in that fight did it ever look like she was in danger of losing the fight. But, you know, given the level of dominance she showed over everybody else thus far, it was definitely surprising. I think you probably can put some of that off to maybe just having an off night happens to fighters all the time. And maybe she did underestimate Jennifer Maya in some respects. You know, I certainly didn't think Maya would be able to match the physicality of of Shevchenko, but she was able to kind of compete with her muscle up in the clinch, which is not something I expected uh, and survive a lot more. I think that there's probably a lot of reasons for that performance and how that shook out Uh, in a rematch. Shevchenko probably, uh, would do better would be my guess. I don't know that Maya can make any major adjustments from from what she offered there. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. Uh, when we did our the pre-fight show, I compared Shevchenko to Anderson Silva, and 
I still think that's a pretty apt comparison as far as their styles and, and how they compete works. And Shevchenko, like Anderson, just sort of had one of those dominant but underwhelming nights. You chalk it up as that happened. Let's move on to the next one. And she may have another one, or she might head kick somebody in the face and be done with it in that, that quickly. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I think that's kind of where I sit. Jose, what do you think? Um, looking back on it, I just think we didn't give it's, 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 it's obviously MMA is all about matchups. Like obviously Valentina is the best female fighter at, at flyweight right now, but I just think there are some, every fighter has some sort of weakness and whether they can overcome that in the octagon is what makes them a champion. And like looking back, the fighters that Valentina has shown any sort of being human against has been Amanda Nunes twice. Uh, and then let's not forget, she tapped Juliana Pena, but she got taken down and then just worked for the worked for the submission and worked for the submission. But she got taken down by Juliana Pena. So uh, her weakness has just been like physically stronger fighters than her. Uh, I'm not saying she's like she's not she's not weak whatsoever. These fighters just happen to be stronger. And Jennifer Maya is as if you listen to the broadcast, they spent an entire round talking about Jennifer Maya's shoulders and how big they are. So Jennifer Maya is clearly one of the physically stronger, maybe not most technically skilled or gifted fighter, but she is a strong fighter in the flyweight division. I just think when Valentina clinched up, Jennifer Maya just had the strength advantage. Valentina felt that, but Jennifer Maya didn't do anything with it. She just held her down. Uh, she put her palms on the ground even at one point, which is very bizarre. Uh, so even Valentina said she wasn't doing anything. She was just holding me, doing nothing. And Valentina was like, this is fine. Nothing's happening. And then when they separated, Valentina clearly showed she was the superior striker. But let's not forget, Jennifer Maya clearly won round two. Like, I did not think I was going to write Jennifer Maya won any sort of round uh, against Valentina. And, she, like, if anyone scored round two, I believe it was round two. Valentina, you're dumb. Uh, it was clear four rounds to one. It wasn't close. But Jennifer Maya clearly saw some sort of avenue to victory and got to step one and then just stopped. It didn't do anything else. Not saying she would have won but she just didn't even progress after finding herself in any sort of dominant position. Yeah. And, and to go back to my bonus statement, I wasn't saying maybe propel was the wrong word, but maybe throw a bone to some of the younger guys. Cause if you go back and look at the bonuses of 2020, there's a lot of main event guys oh, who probably should have gotten them that didn't. Let's not for, let's not forget Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm was a fight of the night. Cause that was a back and forth war, right? I mean, yeah, yeah right? she's looking at commentary. Ah, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we're not going to get into the commentary. We talked enough about that on uh, on the post fight show. Sure being talk- a rock star, Mike. Sorry, sorry, you don't understand that. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to mention this briefly because there's there's just so much to talk about, and I did want to get your takes on this because one of the names I keep getting asked about from you know even casual viewers of the sport is is Mike Perry. Like, obviously, a lot of issues outside of the cages of late. Missed weight for this fight badly. It was a fun fight with Tim Means, loses the decision. So I guess, Jose, what is, what is next for Mike Perry? Like, what do you see being next for for that man after all this craziness? Well, he's definitely not getting cut, if that's what everyone's saying, because we we asked Dana White about that 
in the post-fight press conference, he's like, you know, Mike Perry's an exciting guy. He just got, needs to get his act together off the thing. And this and then I'm like, this does not sound like any sort of person the UFC wants to cut ties with. So uh, I would imagine Mike Perry's going to be in the octagon again soon. Maybe they try to rebook the Robbie Lawler fight. Maybe they try and, I don't know, make another fight where Mike Perry can just swing it, swing from his hips the entire time and not fight someone who knows any sort of technical striking like Tim Means and shows good grappling defense. So Mike Perry's not going anywhere, though. I imagine they'll just, might, they might try to rebook the Lawler fight or wait for some of these other welterweight fights to play but Mike Perry's days in the UFC are not over by any means. Jed, what do you think? And if the UFC does decide to keep him around, which if you watch the post-fight scrum with Dana, sounds like they're going to keep him around. Do you think his days at 170 are over? Do they, they, they make him go to, two, to 185? I mean, that was a bad miss. And everything he said on Twitter beforehand, kind of scary stuff. I mean, no, they're not going to make him do anything. They don't make him do anything at all. Like, if they were going to have him be accountable for anything whatsoever, he wouldn't be in the organization right now. That's just a fact. So, no, they're going to let him do whatever. He shouldn't go to 185. I mean, he is not a big welterweight. Like, he's a middling welterweight. He just blew weight. And you can make a lot of assumptions on why he did that. You can look to the fact that he has decided he doesn't need a real corner or coaches. And that probably has something to do with it. Or you can just look at his reaction when he missed weight and how little he cared about missing weight. They're not going to hold him accountable. He's not going to hold himself accountable, certainly. So, you know, he might miss weight again just because he doesn't feel like it. And there you go. He'll just fight somebody else at 175 and give 30% of his purse to somebody else. Great, because that 30% is probably going to be more than whoever he's fighting is making because that's the world we've chosen to uh, live in, guys. Yeah, Tim Means was was not upset at all that Mike Perry missed weight because he got like an extra 30 grand out of the deal. At least that's what he said uh, at the at his post-fight scrum. But we'll see what happens there. UFC 255 in the books. This game is not in the books, though. The point for this round goes to Mr. Fight Circus himself, Jed Mishu. He is on the board as we... Uh, we're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Discuss what has come out of UFC 255 and the immediate impact that it has on their next pay-per-view offering. At the post-fight press conference, Dana White said that they're keeping Figueredo in Las Vegas and the plan was to have him defend the title against Brandon Moreno sometime in December. We assumed UFC 256 three weeks down the road. Moreno, of course, gets the stoppage win over Brandon Royval in the featured prelim on Saturday and we're wondering why they were so adamant to push Figgy towards another title fight so quickly. And then we found out why on Sunday as the main event originally scheduled one between Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling, that has been postponed to a later date. So in a 36 hour span, the top of the UFC 256 card has changed quite a bit. Jan and Sterling is out in its place. We got Figueroa versus Moreno for the flyweight title. And also Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira has been added to the co-main event. So Jose, let us begin with you. Putting your fan and viewership hat on, did UFC 256 get better, some addition by subtraction, or did it get worse in your opinion? Then are we talking about the original, original one with two title fights or the one that just got scrapped? Because the original one, like Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson, and Jan and Sterling, like I liked those two fights. Because, like, Amanda Nunes is the greatest female fighter of all time. I mean, Megan Anderson's been calling for a title shot forever. And then Sterling versus – Jan versus Sterling is, in every definition of the world, just an extremely high-level martial arts competition. That's about as as good as you can get, where I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't agree with that matchmaking. Like, we all said Sterling deserved it, and Jan was the guy. They both wanted to fight, and why the UFC uh, didn't wait so long to book that fight is beyond me. So if we're going off of that – Oh, man, I don't know. That's tough because Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira makes my blood just boil in the most positive ways imaginable. (laughs) I don't know. That's tough. That is real tough. I would say no, but it's about it's not like a massive difference just because I was really looking forward to uh, Sterling or Jan versus Sterling five rounds. If Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira was a five round fight, I think it would be a lot of fun, but Tony Ferguson, when you saw when he gets to fight Anthony Pettis for three rounds, he didn't have to. He could just blow his gas tank right away and just cause all sort of damage. And Charles Oliveira finally gets the, the fight he deserves. But again, Charles Oliveira is not the biggest name. I, this, this is going to be the Tony Ferguson show, so I'm not going to say it's substantially any better, any worse. But I would still say I was much. I was looking forward to Jan versus Sterling a lot. That was like of all the f- possible fights, like even including Nunez Anderson. Uh, Tony versus Oliveira, Sterling, Jan, and everything. Jan versus Sterling is the fight I was looking forward to the most out of all those. So, plus, I was really looking forward to Tony versus Michael Chandler. And now that that's not happening, it makes me a little sad. So, uh, I'll say Jan Sterling was the biggest fight of all those that fell out. So, not not substantially worse or better. All right, Jed, do you have a, an answer for this? Better, worse? What do you think? I think it makes it. I think that the card 
absolutely just got worse. <laughs> like, I'm I'm with everybody that thinks Oliveira Ferguson is going to be super fun because it is. Like, it's a really fun fight. It's important to the division. I am not with uh, my, I guess I'll call him a colleague. Sure, why not? Throw him a bone. Um, not with my colleague about caring to see Tony Ferguson fight Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler's like a whatever lightweight and Tony Ferguson's a really, really good one. So I'd rather watch this fight between those two. So certainly a great addition, but like Jose said, Jan Aljo, that was the fight as one of the fights I've been most interested in watching in this division for some time. Certainly my most anticipated fight of this whole year uh, or this, this back stretch of the year, I guess um, in Q3. And now that fight's gone. So, I mean, losing that just drops the card off. Even, you know, adding a flyweight title fight that's going to be really fun, adding uh, Ferguson Oliveira that's going to be really fun. I, I would rather have the Aljo Jan fight because uh, I think that fight, you know, that's really the fight for the true Bantamweight King. I know Jan has the title good on him, but I. I argued about for for this a few weeks back when somebody vacates the belt, just making one replacement lightweight title fight and eh, do a little tournament. And I think this would be kind of the natural conclusion of a bantamweight tournament would be here. Jan versus Aljo. So I think it's just worse by virtue of losing that, you know, they've made lemonades out of, out of the lemons they were given uh, to paraphrase Brock Lesnar. They made chicken salad out of chicken poop. So Good for them. It's still a really good card. I am a little concerned that it's a huge card. There are like 15 fights on this card, which is going to be a time suck uh, when that comes around. But in general, card got worse, but it's still well worth your time. Let me ask you this, Jed, because we, on Saturday, they showed the graphic of the December 19th card in its entirety. And that card is absolutely insane. Like, it's unbelievable. So I, I know they probably won't do anything here, but if you are sitting in the UFC corporate offices in Las Vegas, would you pull an audible and switch some things around between these two cards? Maybe make December 19th, the pay-per-view shuffle yeah. the deck a little bit, or would you just leave them be as it is? hundred percent. Like I was thinking about this this morning when I was writing something for the site, because I was looking at that 19th card and it, aside from, you know, being a quality card in general, it also just picked up some really strong additions in the last couple of weeks and now, like, that card is better than UFC 255, and it's better than UFC 256 on paper. And at this point, you know, you had UFC 256 was all set up. You've got your two title fight champions, yada, yada, here you go. Now you don't. Now you have one title fight on it. It's your flyweight division. It's a new king of that. There's no way 256 is going to do great pay-per-view numbers. Like, just there's just no way it's going to do – more than the bare minimum of what the UFC draws. However, if they just swapped it, if they were just like, yeah, this is going to be a fight night and we're going to make this other one the pay-per-view. I'm sure there's some complications as far as opening up a time slot, you know, for the viewing on ESPN for the new fight night card. But I think they could get it done and I think it would strongly behoove them to get it done because the other card is just better. Jose, what do you think? Would you play the old swaparoo if if you had the option? Um, I think it would. Uh, I I would switch it for. Well, I would switch it for uh, the biggest reason is if if you're trying to get the flyaways any sort of shine, put their title fight on free TV so you don't you take that out of the equation. Like, who wants to pay six five dollars to watch flyweight fights? Like, take it out of the equation 
and now everyone can just watch for free and then they can watch this violent flyweight and tony ferguson fight for free and then the the december 19th card uh i don't again i don't know the pay-per-view point situation in the espn era off the top of my head if davison figueredo gets pay-per-view points if he doesn't as champion uh, i'm sure the ufc would like it a lot better if they didn't stick a champion uh on a pay-per-view because that's less money they would have to pay off of the points but again i don't know the exact specifics of that so i'm gonna ignore that so but if i'm a fan what am I paying $65 for? It is absolutely December 19th. And if I'm the UFC, I would make the switch because then the flyweight title fight gets to be on free TV. And whether it gets more eyes, if it's on free TV or not, is I don't know. But I, I of course, I would lean towards more eyes being on the ESPN. Yeah, I just would agree. To, I mean, I would like to ask both of you, I guess, a question that I have my answer to. Like we're all in agreement, right? That the night if they made the December nineteenth the pay per view, it would outsell UFC two fifty six, right? Probably. Surely. How much do you like? I think it would outsell it by a pretty substantial margin. <laughs> like, I think I would honestly I think say December. I I think December nineteenth because I outsell UFC two fifty five. The one that oh, just yeah, happened. Like, yeah, two fifty five is not going to have done great numbers. I think two fifty six as it's structured. You're looking at a hundred thousand buys, you know, like that that kind of basement floor that they've set. I think if they switched it and made the pay per view the nineteenth card, Hamzat's been getting such a such a big push from the company. They could double down on that at the end. You just have a bunch of other names on there: Wonder Boy, Jose Aldo, Greg Hardy. For all the things that are bad about that, like I think that could do fair. Like it's not going to do a five hundred k, but I wouldn't. I kind of think it would double the pay-per-view buys of the currently set 256. You agree with that, Jose? I agree with that. I think it would do two, two, two fifty at least. Yeah, I probably probably like two fifty, three hundred around there. I think it's clearly if that was a pay-per-view, it'd be the best. Out of the last few months, it would easily be the better card. Plus, I think the UFC would like to end. Like, why? Like they always used to end the year on pay-per-views. Like, end the year on a pay-per-view, make the December 19th pay-per-view, and let's move on to the January card, which is what the UFC really wants to do. What a cliffhanger it would be on the final fight of the 2020 pay-per-view calendar year. Hamzat Shemaev. Or Leon Edwards walks out as the biggest baby face or the biggest heel in the company because all eyes are going to be on that. If Leon Edwards beats Hamzat Shemaev, there's going to be uh, probably won't be the most positive of reactions considering how even the casual Win. fan has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but if Hamzat Shemaev beats Leon Edwards, oh my God, what a like, way to, to go off what's the worst ca- what's, what's worst case scenario? Like, like Leon Edwards put the Corey Anderson when he knocked out Johnny Walker. Like, if that happens, Leon Edwards is a star. Sure. No, no. The, Leon Edwards can't do that. The worst case scenario is Leon Edwards goes all Leon Edwards on him and wins yeah. like a very technically sound, unexciting five round decision over Hamzat. And then, oh, well, I guess we have to give him a title fight at some point. That's what's going to happen. It's not even worst case scenario. That's just the scenario that's going to happen. Shamaya good favored for, good, in this fight. Good for Leon. Good for Leon. Yeah, man. I have full, full respect for Leon keeping to do his thing. It's just funny as hell to me. I cannot believe Shamayev is the favorite. And a pr- pretty decent one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen the odds. It's the holiday season, and so everyone has money obligations. Uh, you know, don't want to tell people to spend their money or 
do things that are illegal in their neck of the woods. But if you are in a place where gambling is legal, maybe throw a few bucks down. <laughs> Buy your kids something real nice for Christmas. Jed, you gamble? Get out of here. Nope. No. Never. Not no, you. Sure don't. Not you. <laughs> I would never do that. Oh, man. Well, I mean, listen, the UFC is doing what they can to round out this year in a, in a big way. Crazy year indeed. But this matchup continues on. The point goes to Jed Mishu. He's up 2-0 right now. He's up 2-0. This is getting interesting. See, Although I think you guys like, know what's going to happen. But. <laughs> see, the problem is I am I live in the state of Georgia, and if there's one thing we really know how to do here, it's bull elites. We're really good at it, so I'm I'm not super happy about being up to us. Don't worry. That's I true. think the only thing you're worse at is counting, according to Twitter. Well, <laughs> that's fair. You know, not a bad point for my opponent. <laughs> Oh man! Well, let us uh, let us shift gears because last week on this here program we discussed Patricio Pitbull's knockout win over Pedro Carvalho, excuse me, to retain his Bellator featherweight title. This past Thursday, the featherweight Grand Prix continues on with a fascinating fight between Darian Caldwell and AJ McKee in the main event of Bellator 253. And what we saw was the clear-cut submission of the year in just over a minute. AJ McKee with this crazy neck crank to put away Caldwell. It was incredible. Also, also let me just point out on our, that our own E. Casey Lydon put together a breakdown of the submission. You can find that everywhere, social media, YouTube, etc. So go ahead and check that out. But Jed, let me start with you because last week we talked about where Patricio Pitbull sits in the, not just the Bellator featherweight rankings, but like the worldwide featherweight rankings. Like where would he match up against the Volkanovskis, the UFC guys, the Bellator guys, etc. Where would you put AJ McKee on that list after that incredible finish this past Thursday. Man, it's tough. I, so I think AJ McKee is the best prospect in MMA. If you want to define prospect as like 25 or younger, cause I think anything out after that's probably maybe prospect isn't a great word. And it's weird to think of that because he's not far off from potentially winning the Bell- Bellator title and being like a really bona fide star in this sport but he is still so young and has so much room to develop and get better. But every time we see him, he's just being awesome. And like, I am pumped for the inevitable McKee Pitbull fight. I think that is where this is clearly going for the Bellator Grand Prix. That fight's going to be awesome. I, it might be too much for McKee at this stage of his career to handle because Pitbull, I think we've talked about my view on Pitbull and Pitbull being, you know, one of the, certainly one of the five best featherweights in the world. And I think, Pitbull can have a competitive fight with literally anyone on the UFC roster. So that maybe that's a bridge too far for McKee, but I don't think he's that far behind. And at only 25, he has plenty of opportunity to grow. I think he's, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to give a great number for him just because he hasn't beaten that many people that you can feel confident saying, yeah, this guy's a top 10 guy, but he's certainly a top 10 talent in the division. And no question about that. And I think he would, if he came to the UFC right now, he'd be absolutely competitive with anybody at the top of the rankings. Uh, maybe still needs a little more seasoning, but dude, this this kid is a sensation, and I am really excited to watch the rest of his career play out. Jose, seventeen and zero, another big finish. Darren Caldwell. I mean, compared to some of the names that Patricio Pitbull has beaten in the Grand Prix. 
Pretty pretty exceptional stuff for AJ McKee. I, I think a lot of people thought that this fight would be much more competitive with a guy like Darian Caldwell. But where would you rank him right now? Is he a top 10, top 15 guy in the world at 145, in your opinion? Yeah, like top 15, top 10 for sure. I don't know if he's top five or even top 10, but he's unbelievable. I, I like he's the he's pretty much had the opposite treatment of Hamza, where Hamza came in and then all of a sudden he's won three and all of a sudden he's fighting like the number three welterweight in the world. It just seems like every single time AJ McKee fights, he doesn't get a massive, massive jump up in competition. He's slowly been built up because let's not forget, he debuted in Bellator. He was 0-0 when he made his Bellator debut. So he's never fought outside of the Bellator cage in his professional career. And every single fight he gets is another step on the competition. And even now that he's in the, the finales of the Grand Prix, he's fought like Caldwell, Campos, Carcanyon, Pat Curran. I think those are his last four or five uh uh, fights and what fought current to a decision and then just had like three unbelievable stoppages. I think the only knock and it's going to sound weird and it's not a negative. It's not any sort of shot against him. We haven't seen him like tested. Like we haven't seen him have to dig deep against these elite compet- uh, com- competitors because he hasn't had to. And that's an unbelievable achievement to say, but like if we're comparing him to like the top five of the UFC, like Brian Ortega can take a lot of damage and not go away. Same as Max Holloway, Volkanovsky, Chan Sung Jung. That's where that's he, that's where he shines the best. Like even Yair has had his face caved in and ke- tries to keep fighting, and he even knocks out uh, Korean Zombie with the greatest knockout I have ever seen in my entire life. So I think the only knock against AJ is we just don't know how he would do in the deep waters against these fighters that won't go away so easily so awesome fighter clearly top 15 top 10 but i wouldn't put him in the top five just yet he's well on his way uh and i'm curious if he does fight people because emmanuel sanchez is no slouch uh he's an unbelievable uh fighter and i don't like the disrespect we got where people are saying bellator scrap that fight and just put pitbull in the finals like don't do that that sucks that absolutely sucks uh so yeah not top five yet but top 10 top 15 for sure for aj mckee yeah, you you make a great point there because, like you said, Pitbull's going to fight Emmanuel Sanchez. He's looked awesome, and he is the man, maybe the most overlooked guy in Bellator right now because all eyes are on Pitbull versus AJ McKee. So, Jose, if you are Emmanuel Sanchez right now, are you just loving how this is playing out? Because he's going to come into this fight with Patricio Pitbull way under the radar and the chance to play spoiler in multiple ways here. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing spoiler in that aspect, because if, if he beats Pitbull and fights AJ McKee, like you very well, like, cause again, like Emmanuel Sanchez is an awesome fighter and I would like to see uh, AJ McKee fight either of those guys, but you take the shine away from Pitbull, who I still consider the greatest fighter in Bellator history. Who's in his, in the prime of his career. Like that's just a massive win right there. What I'm not looking forward to is cause you know, you've, you've done, you guys have done a couple of media days. How many times is he going to get asked about people overlooking him and just booking Pitbull versus AJ McKee? Every single interview he's going to do is going to involve that. That's got to, that's just got to be absolutely draining because eventually you're just going to get infuriated. You're probably going to lash out. You're not going to look good. So not looking forward to the buildup because no one's going to talk about me. They're all going to talk about the other two guys, but man, to, to say he would be a spoiler would be an understatement because Pitbull McKee is everything I want in a Bellator fight. What have you made of Emmanuel Sanchez, Jed? And would you be loving the way this is all playing out in the media and amongst fans? Because he's the guy that everyone believes is Pitbull's going to walk right over on his way to an AJ McKee fight. I mean, it's because he is going to do that. Like, they fought. They, yeah. we, we've done this dance before. They fought two years ago, and 
since then, like, yeah, Emmanuel Sanchez has picked up some wins, and he's I'm not trying to disparage the guy. He's a good fighter. But since their last fight of the two of them, Pitbull has looked way better. Like, he's looked like he's gotten even better. He knocked out Michael Chandler. Let's not forget that. He just obliterated Pedro Carvalho. Like, I'm, I think it's, you know, it's not, it's never okay to look past somebody, but it's fine. Like, we've seen this. It happened not that long ago. I don't think Sanchez has done anything substantive to be like, oh, yeah, he's really got something new or a different look for Pitbull. Like, this is going to look a lot like their first fight, which, was not a blowout, you know, it was competitive to a degree, but it was a clear pitbull win. And I think that that will, that gap will only have gotten slightly bigger here. And it is going to get us eventually to where we want to be, which is McKee versus pitbull and fight's going to be a banger. I'm pumped about it. So I'm totally okay. Waiting. Like it's fine. We'll get, you know, we'll have a, Oh, shucks. We're going to have to watch Patricio pitbull fight a really competent guy in a good competitive technical battle woe woe be us but then eventually we get the fight we all want and i don't think emmanuel sanchez you know underlooked or overlooked however he's just not it's not gonna matter last thing on this mr michu because i mean one of the last appearances you're on with one aaron bronstetter one of the topics we talked about is bellator trying to (laughs) bellator trying to generate some buzz like aaron tried to do on this program yes Yes, both of both of uh, both of you were not able to give him the buzz that that he so rightfully wanted. But Bellator's gotten it with these last couple of cards, and the Grand Prix has just been incredible, incredibly fascinating television since it's been going on, especially over the last couple of weeks. The plan for 2021, obviously, once this thing rounds out, is we're going right back to this Grand Prix thing. We're picking a different weight class and we're going right back after this, right? Like go with the hot hand and just keep being as interesting as possible with these Grand Prix. Yeah. They should just always be doing it. Like Grand Prix are just really fun. Like, I don't know, maybe that's just me because I grew up in MMA, you know, back in the pride days, uh, you know, early 2000 era. And so that was always, but that's always just been exciting. I know that they are logistically, difficult to pull off and any number of things can happen uh if they want you know i think bellator has gained something by having the title be as part of the grand prix certainly but i can also see how that can be difficult to manage you know you have to have a champion willing to fight three or four times in a year that's not everyone's going to want to do that so if they wanted to just run a grand prix that didn't have the champion in um you know just do a two 2021 grand prix for the welterweight division or whatever awesome like but yeah grand prix are great they are easy to digest clear narrative structure this guy advances here here and here and it's just super simple to build around and if you do it really well like they've done with the bellator one even with all of COVID happening you might end up getting what will be a really great main event for them the mckee pitbull fight we're going to get a full court promo press on that and i think that's going to be a really really great event for bellator Agree or disagree, Jose, because when they, I think before the welterweight Grand Prix and even the heavyweight one, we were like, all right, this is kind of cool. Can they pull this off? And it was just kind of like cherry for them. Like, we're going to keep putting out our cards, but, you know, now we're going to throw this Grand Prix in there and it'll just be like a nice little bonus for the fans. And I feel like at this point, I feel like their focus needs to be on, it's got to be like Grand Prix Central now. Like that needs to be like the ice cream, the hot fudge, the whipped cream, everything. 
and then just the rest of the cards are just like the cherry. Like, are you just going all in on these Grand Prix here and just putting as much focus on them as possible? So you're telling me that Bellator should focus every year on a tournament? Is that Tough right? A tournament in sports. I mean, <laughs> that sounds you're t- that sounds awfully familiar. If we're trying to talk about right? things that are new, how about tournaments without the champion? I don't think Bellator has ever done that before. I mean, what the winner of the tournament would probably fight the champion, correct? Is that that my understanding? You know, Jose, Bellator's you never Bellator's never done ten seasons of that <laughs> before. So yeah, sure, Grand Prix are awesome, and I love everything about them. I want the champion in them or some sort of like just like if the prize if the champion is not in it the prize has to be awesome because i don't want it to be just a number one contender tournament because we got 10 years of that pretty much with bellator i want something like like money in the bank style like if georgie carcanyon wins he's like you know what forget aj mckee pitbull i'm cashing in aj mckee you're out i get to fight pitbull now that would be ridiculous, and that would be fun because that would be all kinds of stakes to just be able to cash in a title shot whenever you want and knock out the number one contender <laughs> without even fighting the guy. That would be fun. But if they're doing You're Grand Prix, keep keep the tour- keep the champion in there uh, because if if it's not, uh, it's again I like tournaments. It's just not interesting to me if it's just for the number one contendership. Like we're talking about with the UFC lightweight situation right now. If Habib does retire, we all agree a tournament would be absolutely awesome, but it would be for the championship or the championship would be on the line at least one of the opening rounds fights possibly like if we made Connor versus Poirier for the title and then the title just went along with the winner of that throughout the tournament that would be cool uh but again not a normal contendership tournament just throw the champion in there or put something ridiculous at the end for the winner I think, Man, I I think my <laughs> colleague is is forgetting something here and uh, one, I would like to say, love the idea of the money in the bank thing or whatever. Great. 100%. Let's go ahead and do that. But I guess my question to to you, Jose, or you, Mike, or just to the ether is, sure, we don't have to, you know, all right, let's, however you want to think about it. Was Bellator easier or more interesting to follow before or when they were doing tournaments or in that period between no tournaments and no Grand Prix when it was just like, all right we're going to have our dudes fight each other and no one really cares about most of these. Like they're not, I the would, UFC. I, they just gotta... I preferred, I preferred that middle error to the cops era where every single fight would oh, end man. in cops. Oh man. That's, that's the best era. Like it's, it's easy narrative <laughs> structure to follow. You don't know, like, we're going to talk about this card upcoming this weekend for the UFC that has like two fighters with wiki, wiki pages. That's every Bellator card ever. So you can't follow them, you know, as a hardcore, but you can't like, Oh, this is just a random lightweight tournament about cool, easy enough to digest. So I'm totally down for the money in the bank thing. Let's do that. But like yeah, I'm in. Bellator, just go back to the tournament structure, live, live your roots, man. That's it's, it's fun. It's simple. And then it means I don't have to pretend to care about, who I'm trying to think of like a random heavyweight that might just like check Congo who might yeah, that was what I was about to say <laughs> Czech Congo, who hasn't been relevant in a half decade at least who randomly just gets a title fight because like we have five heavyweights on roster and he knocks somebody out like give me tournaments for days do you guys do you guys like the early start time that they're doing now that they've gone to CBS it. Sports, I, I dig it. I love every, I love everything I love about the it. Thursday thing too, man. Like big fan. 
just super simple, super easy. It's way better than a Friday, which they used to hold events on, which was an awful day to do it. So yeah, big fan. Yes, as am I. Bellator will end their 2020 on December 10th. Olimale McFarlane versus Juliana Velasquez for the flyweight title in the main event. Very interesting fight. Finally, Velasquez gets her shot at, at a championship. So uh, we will head to the final question of regulation because Jose got the point. That was well done. Money in the bank, you have to give him the point. Even Jed, even Jed would give him the point after that one. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it just because I think the money in the bank thing would be hilarious. Can you imagine if, like, Shek Congo wins and he walks out and he's like, nope, Ryan Bader, Fedor, take a hike. I'm fighting Ryan Bader now. And then Fedor's like, oh, okay, that sucks. <laughs> it would honestly be so much fun to just would. put the whole promo behind it. It's like, actually, guys, I'm cashing this one in. Sorry. Or And there's no <laughs> limit on when you can cash it in. So Fedor makes – take his hands are wrapped. He's about to walk out. And then Shek Kongo just puts his hand in front of him. He's like, not today, Last Emperor. No, I'm fighting today. Fedor made yeah. the walk. And you hear Shek Kongo's music drop. Yeah, he just comes go. down. Oh, God, that would be – man, can we get to the part where I talk about Fight Circus? Because that's something <laughs> we we'll probably will do in the future. <laughs> oh, you hate to see it. <laughs> oh, man. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Well, we go from great ideas like that to this weekend in the world of combat sports saturday night more specifically the ufc is back with ufc vegas 15 this one headlined by curtis blades versus Derek lewis we got anthony smith versus devin clark in the co-main event and also the debut of the legends only league in the wonderful world of boxing headlined by the exhibition bout between mike tyson and roy jones jr the co-main event for that card is the just exciting matchup between YouTube sensation Jake Paul taking on former NBA guard, former slam dunk champion, Nate Robinson. This is actually a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so the bases are covered this weekend. We get a little bit of everything. So, Jose, let me ask you, if you could only choose one event to watch from start to finish, you could not watch the other, you couldn't get social media updates, no ability to surf the internet whatsoever. You have to sit in a room and choose one of these events to watch. Which one are you going with? The UFC or Tyson versus Jones? This this is a, this can't be a question. 
The answer is Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> it's an exhibition match, sure. There's going to be no winner. There's no judges. There's a fake mystery title on the line for a fight with no winner. Um, yeah, of course it's that. And then just to top it off, like, I'm a massive Nate Robinson fan. He did not deserve to be a three-time slam dunk champion. Dwight Howard got robbed 100%, but I have love for any uh, former Celtics that played in the NBA Finals. He was also what? He's still the young, the shortest slam dunk champion in the history of the NBA. If I'm not, maybe, I don't know if he's taller than Spud Webb. Maybe. I'm not 100%, but come on. That's the answer. Like, even Dana White was, like, blown away by the, the rules when I was shooting at the press conference. So that is 100% the answer. Is, is, is Badu Jack is on the undercard, too. Like, Rashad Coulter, former U.S. Champ. And I love Derek Lewis's Kurtz Blades. The problem is neither of them are going to fight for the title anytime soon, especially because Stipe and Francis ha- isn't, hasn't happened yet. And now you add the John Jones mix. Curtis Blades already lost twice to Francis and Connor. So there's not a lot of stakes on the line in the main event. So there's no real incentive to watch because you're not tuning in to watch the next UFC heavyweight number contender. You're going to tune in to watch two 50-year-old cats way past their prime throw at each other and get tired and then just pass out on one another. And then of course, one of the Paul brothers, I don't even know fighting, uh, fighting former NBA champion. And let's not forget he played football in college. So two, two sport, all two sport collegiate athlete into an NBA slam dunk champion. Come on. The answer is the boxing match. Jed, I mean, I thought for sure it'd be the boxing match for you, but I mean, you have been spoiled by, by fight circus. So, I mean, there's no way that, Tyson versus Jones can compete with Fight Circus Volume 2. So, you know, maybe you got your fill of some crazy, you know, different kinds of combat sports. Is it is it the boxing one, though? I am, I am nothing if not a man who is extremely on brand. And one of these is right up my alley. And it's not. Look, I'm also a guy who loves bad heavyweight MMA. And this weekend is not even technically bad heavyweight MMA. It's two nope. really good, highly ranked fighters. That fight is going to be atrocious. Curtis Blades is just going to tackle him. <laughs> He's going to tackle and grapple, and that's it. And it'll last however long Derek Lewis can survive, probably a couple of rounds. The rest of that card is trying to think of a way to... Nope, hot garbage. Just going to call it. It is hot garbage. There are, looking at it right now, there are nine people on this fight card that have Wikipedia pages, which is probably a record-setting low for a UFC event. <laughs> uh, it is not a good card. The co-main event, like, you know, you always do this thing on the show where you're like, hey, give me the deep cut from that fight, and like, oh, what's one? Sell me on it, and I can't even do it. I don't know half the people on this card, <laughs> and I do this every day of my life. Like, it is a tough hang this weekend for the UFC. And on the other end of it, look, Roy Jones – Loved Roy Jones in his prime. I was, you know, a little too young to really ever, like, fully get Roy Jones and certainly Mike Tyson other than kind of, like, baby remembrances of, oh, man, Tyson's fighting cool. But both of them awesome. This fight will be sad in a lot of ways, but it's the kind of sad that I'm really into for whatever reason because I make bad life choices. Uh, Don't care at all about uh, the Paul brother. I just not interested nate robinson i don't have any kind of attachment like jose does so whatever you mean you don't have an attachment to nba i mean not even nba you don't have an attachment to venezuelan finals mvp nate robinson you know i i just don't um i'm I'm not even gonna apologize 
Uh, I do think it's absolutely hysterically funny that objectively the best boxer on this card, better with Jack, uh, who like was a WBC champion, not that well, like at least in this decade was a champion, is somehow third billing on this fight card. Like that is absolutely incredible to me. Like if someone went back two years and was like, hey man, guess where your career is going? You're going to play third fiddle to two old legends, at least you could maybe sell him on that, and a YouTuber boxing an NBA former all-star. You'd be like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. Like, what a career trajectory that is. So this card is hysterical, and it's it's going to be bad in the funny way, which is everything I want. So no, no, Mike, I did not get enough this weekend. I'll never get enough of this kind of carnival sideshow lunacy i'm i'm extremely here for it <laughs> do you have a, a deep cut fight on this card jose jed can't even find one he always seems to find the the diamond in the rough and, and make us think a certain way he doesn't have one here do you have a i have a deep cut fight but i want to hear if, if if there's one that sticks out to you that's like oh this will be fun oh uh, i mean the i mean Anthony Smith is always a fun fight. I, I believe, who's he fighting? Devin Clark, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so it, I didn't. We didn't get to speak to Devin Clark the last time we fought because I think he went to the hospital right away. I think it was what the Alonzo Menafield fight, and we all wanted to speak with him because he got down on one knee and raised his fist in the air because that was right at the height of the Black Lives Matter uh, protest. So uh, fortunately, didn't get to speak to him. I'm really looking forward to Baeza Sato. I think that fight absolutely rules. Luke Sanders, the Arizona guy. Spike Carlisle is in the is like the curtain jerker, or he should be the curtain jerker. He's an absolute psychopath and like does that creepy joker laugh before he fights. Uh, should have gotten fight of the night against was it Billy Quarantillo the last time. So it's a lot yeah. of fun fights, I guess. Ashley Evan Smith, former A-side co-host, is fighting on the card too. So, but nothing I would let nothing I would make me to not tune in to Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones in the year of our <laughs> Lord 2020. Yes, Carlisle versus Bill Algeo is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know, Jed. He, he, hearing Jose wax poetically on the deep cuts, did anything trigger you? No, come on, man. Like, this is, <laughs> like sure, I'll have it on, I'll watch it, and some of those fights might be okay. Like, uh, I am marginally interested in Miguel Baeza because I think he's actually like, a good prospect. But and uh, Sato, um, good fighter, like that's a fun ish fight. But like, one, there's definitely at some point just mental fatigue. Like, we've had a card every weekend since mid July, I think, uh, since the week after uh, the fourth, I think, actually. And it's still going to carry on until almost the end of December. Like, there's just you get burnt out doing this every day, every week. And none of these fights are fights that are going to cut through that noise. And what will cut through that noise is two 50 year olds boxing, because we've said it before on the podcast, Mike, one of, if not my absolute favorite MMA fight, like not ironically, entirely seriously is Kimbo Dada. Like it's one of my favorite fights of all time. And there's a real chance we get that only with two guys with, bigger names and better athletic pedigree. So I, there's nothing that's going to take me away from that. Well, there you go. Get excited for an action-packed Saturday of uh, of combat sports action. And this action-packed edition of Between the Links continues on. Jose has tied the score. 
I am loving this. We're going to head to the knockout round. One question decides it all. Each competitor has 60 seconds to answer said question. They have no idea what it is. After they respond, the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon, will render the final decision. And a little bit of breaking news for the gentlemen that are competing. I did not mention this before because I was setting this up, but I'm going to sweeten the pot a little bit heading into this knockout round question. The winner of the knockout round, the winner of the game, is going to face Sean El Shadi next week to crown a brand new undisputed between the links champion. All right. Phoenix Carnivale is just so busy ball? these days. Yeah. Phoenix has been able to, to, to defend the title. She will be back on the challenge for that title once her schedule opens up. But we have to move this thing along. We have to have a new champion. We have to have title defenses. That's so you're, you know, championship you're telling- ratings. You're telling me the second I face Sean El Shadi, Phoenix Carnival will vacate her title? Yes. Is that what this is about? Okay. Okay, Dana. That's what this is about. If that's I mean, the it's case, probably... Phoenix, you're the champion for a while because he's never going to face Sean again because I got that. <laughs> I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be the anti-Dana White. Let's just consider her... Let's consider the title vacant right now, but... It will be decided next week. So this uh, is... Are we ready to have that talk yet? Is Phoenix the <laughs> <Phoenix goat>? <laughs> Is she in the Mount Rushmore of Between the Links? She she very well could be. Could be. We will see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, just want to add a little, little sizzle to the steak here, you know? Heading into this knockaround. So with that, Jose, you are the man with back-to-back victories. Do you want to answer this question first, or do you want to pass it over to Jed Mishu? No, I'm going to pass it over to this bag of soup sitting next to me. Wow. I've never heard that okay. one before, but okay. All right. Me neither. Sure. I, I... Let's do it. What kind of soup? It took me... But like a hearty stew. Um, no, it's like a soup that your significant other brings home and you put on the counter, but you forget to put it in the fridge. So it's like room temperature and kind of like uh, congealed at the top. So you're like, I don't really want this. So you throw it away. Okay. Sure. Wow. Nice. <laughs> that was very descriptive. Nice drop. Oh man, here's here's the question, and uh, we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna pay sort of homage to the old MMA beat because this is something that was always discussed on that program around this time of year. So we're bringing it back right here on Between the Links. Quite simply, Jed Mishu, the question is: When it comes to MMA, combat sports, what have you, in the year of our Lord 2020? with Thanksgiving coming up, it is time to be thankful. So, Jed, in 60 seconds, tell us what makes you thankful in the MMA combat sports world in 2020. Your time starts now. What an absolute layup. What I am thankful for is what we've been, we've been kind of picking around the edges this whole afternoon. I am thankful for Fight Circus. I am thankful for Cam Soda for getting into the MMA space. Their first offering, Cam Soda Legends, event of the year, sensational, amazing. Their second one, this earlier this year, they partnered with Full Metal Dojo, created Fight Circus. That will be on my shortlist for events of the year this year. And they're offering this past weekend, Fight Circus 2, Circus Harder, brilliant name, was everything you wanted it to be. You know, we were talking before this show about the blending of combat sports and pro wrestling, and Fight Circus is now doing that at the end. 
I'm just going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. Bob Sapp comes out at the end of Fight Circus 2 and punches the promoter in the head, and then it cuts to black, setting up an incredible thing. We had a leg-kicking Rochambeau contest, which was amazing. The three-on-one fight was awesome. It was magic. It was just magic, and I can't wait for it again. Oh, man. All right, Jose. Let us... Let us be reflective. Let us be uh, be positive here. What are you thankful for in the wonderful world of MMA and combat sports? Tough to do in a minute, Jose, perhaps, but uh, your time starts right now. It's not tough, man. I am, I'm going to take it seriously, and I'm going to say I'm honestly thankful that I can even work right now uh, because, as we all know, our fellow coworkers at Vox can't say the same thing. A lot of our, our coworkers and colleagues in the beginning of the year 2020 are no longer – at Fox, a lot of ESPNers got laid off too. So it's an absolutely very extremely difficult time to be a sports journalist. The three of us, thankfully, cover a sport that continued on. And not just the UFC, but Bellator is back. Uh, one championship is back. Invicta is back. So there's no shortage of work for anyone. Anyone dealing with COVID-19, of course, having a job is not the end of it. I've obviously lost a couple of family members myself to this virus. So the fact that, A, I can continue to work. I'm still traveling because, as Jed said, some of us get burnt out. Well, some of us actually have to travel to these events and fly 8,000 miles away and spend five weeks away from our loved ones. So, yes, it does burn you out when you're sitting at home for all of those times. But I am thankful to have a job and to continue to get a paycheck. Well said. This will be a year that I look back up upon in a very strange way because i got onto this i got on ma fighting like a week before everything shut down so the timing was just absolutely weird and then john jones went ahead and and john jones did and all sorts of craziness happened so this has just been a wild ride but uh we go to you casey Lydon. you've heard both men what they are thankful for differing roads they took to get to uh to get to where they wanted to go but now we turn it over to you who is the champ or the, the winner of this week, who is vying for a championship next week? You know, every week I always say it's a tough decision, but this week may be the toughest. Fight Circus on one end, and 250,000 people, death, just death across the world on the other side, and just thankful that we have a job. Oh my goodness, that is a... Gotta pick a winner, man. All right, your winner and facing Sean Alshadi next week for the vacant between the links belt is Mr. Fight Circus Jed Mishu. Oh, Woo! wow. I did not see that coming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jose. It was. It was. It, it, it hurts me. It hurts me. But like, uh, it's fight circus. He's, I, I got Look, circus harder in there. I mean, I'm. Was... I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that I absolutely gave Jose the business for the first four rounds, and so we shouldn't have even been here. But when he went like sincere and real, I was like, shit. That's. That's like very. Hard, that's hard for me. Like, if you had gone the other way, Casey, I'd been like, hey, man, that is, can't, I'm just being an asshole talking about circus honor. So, I guess. But, you know, you are the judge, so we're going to defer to your expert wisdom. And uh, I commend you for that choice. It's okay. Paul Felder won a round against Rafael Dos Anjos, too. So, 
you know, it, sometimes it happens. <laughs> Did Paul Felder really win around against RDA? Oh, it, you didn't hear about the split decision win for Rafael Dos Anjos? Oh my god, I forgot. That's, that feels like that was a lifetime ago, by the way. It was like three <laughs> weeks ago. That was like three weeks ago. Um, fantastic. Wow. Wow. So Jed Mishu versus Sean Alshadi for the vacant between the links championship. And uh, this was for the real title. We all know it. Mm. <laughs> well, Jed, who's, you, uh, who's Sean? You know, Sean is busy watching shows that were that discovering shows that were popular 15 years ago. If you follow him on Twitter, what's he watching? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I like, just watched the show Mr. Robot, and I was like. Dude, he watched Avatar: The Last Airbender in two, for the first time in 2020. I was like, "Come on, guy!" Watch you ju- just discovered Mr. Robot. Hey, this judge just discovered Avatar 2, mind you. That's yeah, but thing. you're like you're you're like 75 years old, so yeah, this, is, this is true. Oh, well, that's just lashing out. That's yeah. all that is. I'm lashing out. Hey, man. Well, Jed. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Casey. No, no. I'm, I feel bad. I feel bad. I, like uh, Jose put his heart out there, and I and I went with, I went with the fight circus, fight harder. So, I mean, here's, I, I, here's I'm, a, the, I'm a bad here's person. I'm a bad person. Here's what happened. I clearly won the first round. Jed probably won round two and three. I very clearly won round four, and then it came down. To, I'm being honest. I definitely won round one. Jed can get the first middle two rounds, and I definitely run four. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, we can play the narrative that the guy from Atlanta can't keep uh, a lead. That's cool. But it is what it is. Enjoy uh, beating Sean. I'll say that. Well, who doesn't enjoy beating Sean? It's very easy work. <laughs> hey, man. He's a Suns fan. Go easy on him. It's well, true. Jed, you he might uh, be the only fan you... that's more tortured than Georgia sports. That's <laughs> true. You get your rematch, Jed. Sean beat you in the first meeting, but now the stakes are as high as they could possibly be next week. So the floor is yours. You have 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. MMA, Sean Alshadi, whatever else, whatever you want to say, the floor is yours. I mean, I'm obviously just going to talk more about Fight Circus 2 because there was so much that I left out in my speech. Uh, one of the highlights, they did a spinning attacks only fight that worked out as well as you would imagine because if you know someone can only attack you by spinning, they're just gonna move away from you as soon as you come forward. But it was still awesome. It was like watching a Jackie Chan movie even though nobody landed anything. It was sensational. They did a three-on-one fight. They did a two-on-one last time. They upped it. They had a two-on-one and a three-on-one and they were both way better than last time. Like, the three-on-one fight was deceptively competitive because the one dude just like kept hitting the crap out of one of the guys and everyone, the small dudes were too afraid to fight. It was awesome. It was so stupid <laughs> and good. And the thing about them is they're honest. Like the opening fight of the evening was a guy named Tang Mo who is not a real fighter and who got blown out in the first one. And the ring announcer was like, yeah, it's his birthday. So we let him fight again. Like he shouldn't be here and he's going to lose. And he did. But it's his birthday and he wanted to do it. So he said, sure, why not? And they just let him fight again. He lost. Like, it's honest and ridiculous. It is it is a beautiful thing. And I cannot wait until Fight Circus 3, Circus Hardest. That's just going to be the best event of the year. Uh. 
How are you not? How are you not commentating for them? I don't get it. I, We're doing backstage I, interviews or something. I have uh, messaged uh, the Cam Soda people. They reached out to me not about commentating, just about because I'm I'm now clearly like a, on brand with with Fight Circus because I love it so much. And I have reached out to them, John Nutt, the guy who runs the Metal Dojo. Like I'm going to legitimately try be involved in the commentary or at least the creative process because i have ideas they're willing to do really stupid ridiculous stuff and man i have thoughts so i'm they did a kicking only match i didn't even bring up that they ran the kicking only match back which was also awesome like this is just it's the best of it because they don't take themselves seriously at all and i sincerely hope that one day i get to work with them in some capacity (laughs) throw out one idea Oh man, I love the spinning idea. I had the spinning idea before this one. Uh, I feel like, so they've done, a, we've talked a lot about like random things that we could do. And I really like the idea of doing like a, one guy, just a King of the Hill style tournament day where one guy just fights one guy after another, after another and see how long he can make it. Uh, it just seems awesome and something stupid and dumb that they'd allow you to do. It'd be great. <laughs> Uh, hire this man. Hire this man. That is for sure. But uh, that's going to do it. Another episode of Between the Links is in the books. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Wishing you all a happy Thanksgiving, even though that's not. this is not the last you're going to see of me this week. What the heck is going to drop on Thanksgiving? Going to be a loaded show. Some very interesting guests. We're going uh, a little off brand in some ways, so that'll be fun. Uh, but that's it. So for Jose Yuggs. Wait bye. a second, Mike. You didn't. What are you thankful for? What, what are you thankful for in the MMA world? You got us. And my bad answer, and Jose is admittedly very good answer. So what are you thankful for, Mike? I mean, I think I touched on it a little bit. I'm th- I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jose for, cer- for, for certain. Um, I mean, I'm, thank- I'm thankful for you guys and everyone who somehow decides that it's a good idea to come on this panel every Monday to record for a Tuesday release and and just talk fighting and debate a little bit. And sometimes things are very civil and sometimes things get a little out of control. So I appreciate that. I I appreciate just how accommodating everybody is in this sport between media members, the fighters who come on the shows. There's a lot to be thankful for. Absolutely. But uh, I don't know if I have the passion you have, Jed. I don't know. I don't think I could deliver the the message as well as you can. It's tough to be as excited about anything as I am about Fight Circus. I'll give you that. (laughs) That is for sure. That is for sure. Well, we have, we have a lot to be thankful for. That's that is for certain. And uh, we're thankful you guys checked out the show this week. For Jose, Jed Mishu, Casey Lydon on the production and the judging, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn with the introduction and the outro. I am Mike Keck. We'll see you back here once again between the links next week. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. 
Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.